You are listening to World Harvest Church's weekly podcast. WHC is a cross-cultural church with passion for reaching the lost and hurting. We are mission-minded and committed to raising up generations of mighty men and women of God. If you're in the Atlanta area, check us out on Sunday mornings at either 9 or 11.15 a.m. or on Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. From wherever you're listening, we hope this week's message empowers you to grow and go. This is the year of the supernatural, and I know God is going to have to prepare us to push into that. It won't come, doesn't come automatically. You have to desire it. You have to want it. And I want to begin with, a, I believe, an appropriate scripture, Mark's gospel. No, Mark's gospel. Matthew's gospel. It's in Mark, but I want to use Matthew. Matthew 14, and it has to do with Peter. That's just a few short verses, and... Uh, starting with verse 22 to 29, reads as follows. Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself in prayer. And now when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. And when the fourth watch of the night, that's between like 4 and 6 a.m. in the morning, or 3 to 6 a.m. in the morning. In the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately, Jesus spoke to them, saying, be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, come. When Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Father, I want to thank you for the word of God. And Lord, I pray that we will step over into the supernatural realm, not only beginning this week, but for this year. That we'll have a new dimension we'll operate in. Lord, we declare it so in Jesus' name, and we thank you for doing it in advance. And everybody said, amen and amen. My topic today is moving out of the natural into the supernatural. Out of the natural into the supernatural. And there's no greater illustration than watching Peter do it. It is supernatural for any human being to walk on water. You um, are not designed for that. You will sink if you get in the water. But Peter saw Jesus walk. Now, here's the deal I want to get across. For you to have the supernatural in your life, you've got to want it. But I believe there's an inner craving on the inside for the reality of the supernatural. Because the natural is just natural. To me, the supernatural puts the spice in life. This whole book, from cover to cover, is filled with the supernatural. It's just a supernatural book. God does supernatural things all the time in the book. And Jesus is doing supernatural things. He's raising the dead. He's cleansing the leper. He's turning water into wine. And now he's walking on the sea. And so Peter sees him. And he's watching him. But something on the inside of him, which I believe is in the heart of every person. uh, I want to do that. Uh, How do I do that? So he just tells Jesus, Jesus, 
Can I walk on the water with you? And I love the word that Jesus gives. Come. I believe it's the word for our church. Come. Come walk on the water. Come, step out of the supernatural. Yes, it's the heart cry of every believer. I want the supernatural. And Jesus says, come, you can step into the supernatural. I promise you, this is what was happening to Peter. And so here's Peter. This is going to be the first time for Peter. How do you practice this? You don't. Now, obviously, it had to be something solid. He didn't walk on top of the water because it's waves. So he's sitting there. As he gets out, he's standing on something. He doesn't know what it is. But I promise you, the water hit around his robe. So when he walked, it was... Can you imagine the first few steps? He had to do this. He had to turn around. Hey, guys. Check this out. And then I thought he got it. And then he would get excited. Man, I'm walking on water. This is supernatural. There's something exciting about the supernatural. Whoa, you don't need six flags. This is, they don't, they don't offer this ride. Six flags, can't touch it. So he's walking on the water, walking on the water. I want to just stop with that. He crossed over from the natural boat sitter to the supernatural water walker. That's what God wants to do for every one of us this year. Take you out of the boat of the natural and put you over to the supernatural. I'm looking at some water walkers this year. I promise you, water walkers in the name of Jesus. Well, what are you talking about? I'm talking about stepping over into that world that God lives in. He lives in the supernatural. I mean, that's his world. But, we're, uh, but we think we're confined to the natural. Well, we're just human beings. We watch TV. We just drive our cars, eat our food, and there's nothing wrong with ordinary. There's nothing wrong with natural, but we're not designed to live in there. That's not our limitation. But let me say about the devil. He wants you to live in the natural and stay there. In fact, he wants to, especially if you're a born-again, spirit-filled Christian, he doesn't want you to know the power that you really have. Because God has supernatural power. We know that. But let me tell you, someone else has supernatural power. Let's never forget this. Satan. Satan has supernatural power. But Satan's power is nowhere near God's power. We know that. The reason I say it is a warning. A lot of young people want the supernatural. But they go to the dark side. Just so you know, Harry Potter is not saved. Harry Potter is not from the side of the kingdom of God. It's from the other side. All right? I'm going to talk about it. The environment you put yourself around will determine whether you walk in the natural or supernatural. So there's a lot of lies out there that say, oh, it's supernatural. But be sure Jesus Christ is in the middle. Be sure it's the word of God. Otherwise, you can be beguiled. I promise you. But there is a pull. It's a natural pull. People want to see what, oh, that's out of the ordinary. Oh, go show somebody. Go tell somebody. But that's how the disciples were commissioned by God. He said, Jesus said this to them in Mark 16, 17. He said, in my, he said, in my name, you're going to cast out devils. He said, these signs, just say, these signs should follow them that believe. These signs. The Good News translation says, these miracles, because really a miracle, a sign is like a miracle. 
It's one of the functions of a sign. It can have miracles in it. These miracles you allow you to do. Now think about this. God's setting us up for miracles. He's setting up for a miracle. You'll be able to cast out devils, speak in a language you never learned. You'll be able to lay hands on sick people and watch them get better. Supernaturally. And then the last part of that chapter, he says, and Jesus, out of the good news, Jesus proved that what they were saying was true by the miracles that were shown through their hands. You know, T.L. Osborne was a great minister of the gospel. And uh, I've just been studying the great men of God. I've been studying the last, I think I've got five or six of the great movers and shakers of Africa. The Reinhard Bonkies, David uh, Oyedepo. I've got uh, Robert Kayenja, who's coming, by the way. He's coming, Robert Kayenja. I've got, uh, you know, there, uh, there's, there's some of the people you, you, you may not know, but uh, Apostle and David Adiepo uh, is another one. But you, but, you, but you read about these guys, and there's a commonality. They push for the supernatural. They don't back off. When T.L. Osborne and his wife went to India the first time, they did not know about signs and wonders. They spent two years, and this is how many people they want to Christ. They left dejected, frustrated. They had the Muslims come and put their Quran down next to his Bible. They say, we say the Quran is right. You say your Bible is right. We believe ours is true. You believe yours is true. The Hindus would come along, put their Veda down. That's their Bible for the Hindus. They said, we believe our Bible's true. And he said, we would just have to say, well, it's not. Ours is true. So they leave frustrated. When they came back to America through a series of events, F.F. Bosworth and others, William Brannan and some of the others, Charles Price, some great men that operate in the power of God, they got to see the power of God in operation like they've never seen before. They saw blind eyes open, deaf ears open. And all of a sudden, he had this desire, just like Peter did. I got to walk. I got to walk. He had this desire for the supernatural. And he began to press into God. And he said, I began to seek him and fast and pray. And I said, Jesus, I want to capture what you're showing me through these men and through the scripture. And then one day, Jesus showed up personally in front of T.L. Osborne. He said, listen, when, you, when Jesus shows up, you hit the floor. He said, and he began to talk to me about the ministry. He showed up three more times. But that very first time, he said, when I got up the floor, I was there on the floor most of the day. When I got up, I was not the same human being. I'd crossed over. And for those who don't know it, T.L. Osborne and Daisy were the first evangelists in the world to do what they did. They would go to nations around the world and set up a huge stage and basically, they'd preach the word, but here's the powerful thing. They'd confirm the word with signs following. They were the ones that introduced signs, wonders, and miracles. And they launched ministries all over the world. They copied their lifestyle. They copied their technique. When he was in the Muslim countries, you get Muslims. I mean, you don't play with Muslims. But a lot of them, you know what? They don't understand what's true. And... He said, I would do this one time. I had one, I asked for 100, you know, you got tens of thousands. 100 people who are deaf, please come forward. They stood on the platform in a long line facing everybody. I then was there and I said, would the head imam 
of the Islamic faith, please step forward and pray for these deaf that they would be healed. Here he comes, the head imam with his robes, acting like he's got it going on until he got to the stairs. He looked around, there's 100. He turned right around and went back. He said, okay, you sat down, but I want to now show you what Jesus can do. He went one by one, and every ear was open except one. 99 out of 100 received instant healing of their ears. Well, as a consequence, there was thousands of Muslims came forward. And I'm telling you, this is where it's at. When I was with Daniel DeToy, we had still 43,000 people come to the Lord. And what it was was signs, wonders, and miracles. The move of God. We had wheelchair people at the last day. I mean, everybody got to experience it. We were out there. It was like you had like the touch of God on you. Wheelchairs. He just point. You get about four or five people jump out of the chair. They've been paralyzed for half their life. You got people's attention. They go, my goodness. I want this Jesus. And the New Testament was built on signs, wonders, and miracles. Jesus never invented secret sensitive. But in the natural, you'll be secret sensitive. Well, I got to adapt to their culture so they can understand. And then we lower the standard of our faith. Well, we have to understand the world we live in. No, you're just misled. You need to reread the Bible. God's not stupid. He knows exactly how to bring the harvest in. And these last days, get ready, will be the greatest harvest the world's ever seen. There has to be a spiritual awakening that's going to touch America. When this COVID lifts, it's going to be supernatural, explosive people coming to Christ. But the, but the people of God got to be armed. So if they say, so he went back to India, and that same people that said, why is your Bible different than ours? He proved it to them. And they got saved by the tens of thousands. You see, in these last days, one miracle will shut down 10 arguments. I don't care if you got your PhD in philosophy, but if your mother is sick and all of a sudden God shows up, he <laughs> changes everything. And say, well, I don't need a miracle because I'm self-sufficient. I have a degree. I have my house. I have my house paid for. I've got cars. My kids are on cars. I, everything is great. I don't need a miracle. Be careful. Honey child, <laughs> everything may be good today, but tomorrow hadn't come yet. This is a true story. It's happened to a man. Everything I described, that's exactly what he was. He was wealthy, self-sufficient. He was arrogant, unsaved, didn't need anything. Until one day he was hit with spinal meningitis. And that thing got a hold of his body, and he became more and more paralyzed. He became so paralyzed he could not even speak. This is R.W. Schombach's testimony. He was in the hospital. He was at the end of his life. And with all his money, he said everything got sucked up to pay for his, to pay for his medical condition. Did he need a miracle? Here comes Jesus. True story. This is his testimony. One day he's in the hospital. Jesus walks right through the wall. He says these words to him. You don't have any trouble. All you need is faith in God. Now get this. guy's unsaved. He says, I want you to get up. Get showered. Shave. See, Jesus likes you straight. <laughs> shave. Put your clothes on. And check out. 
When you check out, I want you to go to the first Christian Bible bookstore you can find. Buy the Bible. Take it home. Go to the book of John. This is Jesus talking. Go to the book of John. And as you read that, you'll understand how to find eternal life through me. He said, Jesus, turn around and walk through the wall again. As he's relaying this to Brother Shambach, and by the way, he was completely healed, and he got saved. As he's, as he's relaying it to uh, uh, Brother Shambach, he said, why did he walk through the wall? Why did he use the door? Shambach said, he is the door. Wherever he goes, he is the door. Everyone needs a miracle. Something that supersedes the natural. Something that goes above the natural. And in 2022, we're going to step over into that world. In Jesus' mighty name. And so, we were made for the miracles, ladies and gentlemen. So how do I go from the natural to the supernatural? I've got to step over. So we have to understand that religion will keep you in the natural. Most theological schools in America teach this doctrine. Uh, the, the miracles, the signs and wonders that Jesus operated under were for that dispensation. And when the church got launched, God pulled the power plug, and we don't need it anymore. And we just need to be operating in the natural. That's what they teach. I was raised with that as a young kid. I went to this church downtown Atlanta. I won't tell you the church's name, but it's on the corner of Peachtree <laughs> and North Avenue. A great church, but you did not, we did not operate in that. When my mother contracted cancer, we had just got baptized in the Holy Ghost, and things shifted rapidly. We found out that healing is in the children's, it's the children's bread. We, we found out so much stuff. And so my dad, who's a smart man, sent me to help my mother go to all the faith seminars. I went, I took my mother to Tulsa, to Michigan, to Dil I went all over because he wanted to get her under the power of God. And that power would come upon her. Many times it would come upon her. And, uh, but she failed to receive, and she went to be with Jesus. But for me, I want to kill a devil. Real bad. I want to become a devil killer. In fact, I want to be a permanent devil killer. So what happened is we had a Bible study, about 70, 80 people from our denomination, met in a big home, and my father ran it. He taught it. He was a great teacher. I led worship, believe it or not. Don't laugh, but I did. But anyway, <laughs> the point is there was a woman stood up there and said, I have cancer. I've been to Mayo Clinic. They say cancer from the top of my head to the soles of my feet, and I am on death row, literally. I will not expect to live, to not expect to live more than six months. When I heard that, now I'm new. This is early charismatic. This is like in the early days. There a lot of goofy things went on in those early days because no one knew too much. But, but all I knew was I wanted this woman. I left my, the Bible study, went down to the basement, and I paced the big, it was a big old home. And I'm going back and forth in the basement. I'm saying, God, give me this one. God, I want to see a miracle. 
I want to see it happen now. I'm going to demand on God. I want to step out of the natural into the supernatural for this lady. I came back upstairs with the eye of the tiger. I went over to her. I, man, I felt the power got on me. I said, lady, come over here. They really stopped the meeting. I laid hands on her in the mighty name of Jesus. Man, I prayed a prayer. I'm sure I was spitting in her face, but it was anointed spit, believe me. <laughs> I was in the name of Jesus. I broke everything I knew to break, bound everything I knew to bound. I mean, I didn't know this just two, two, three years ago. But, but two, three years ago, well, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I came to this world with nothing, I'll leave with nothing. Blessed, no, no, but that was religion, religion. And so I bound, I just, and Boom, she hit the floor. Now, people that hit the floor back then, if you hit the floor in our church, you call the medics. <laughs> but she hit the floor. When she got up, she, she was just smiling. She go, go check it out. I'll never forget it. She came back. It was either the next week or the week after. She said, they can't find a trace of cancer. It's all gone. It's all gone. It's all gone. And two years later, I have to catch her on a television station. A fresh round, giving her testimony, going through the whole story again, and just saying how she's completely healed. Now, for me, I have just a passion to see the supernatural. In 74, I mean, 75, I found out about Kenneth E. Hagan. Where have you been all my life? I raced to Tulsa. I was in the first camp meetings for years. Consumed his books. And then I met his friend, Norval Hayes. If you didn't know Norval Hayes, you talk about the supernatural? You don't mess with Norval. Brother Hagen said about Brother Norval. He said, I've been in ministry, for all the years I've been in ministry, there are no greater miracles I've ever seen in my life greater than Norval Hayes, what God's used him. There's a woman paralyzed. Remember that? What was her, what was her name? The lady. In the wheelchair that got delivered. May Stafford. Stafford. She's like in her early 70s. It's like, again, like spinal meningitis, all crippled. You see her face. She's all in a nursing home, can't talk, sitting there like this, wizard. You see a picture, like the two days before you die, all shriveled up. They, someone had the grace to put her in a wheelchair to take her to Norval Hayes' meeting. She's in the back. Norval said, in the middle of my preaching, I stopped. God said, go pray for that woman. I went over there. I stood before the chair. I said, and I closed my eyes. I said, in the name of, as I'm praying for her, the power of God hits her. This is what a lot of, there's a thousand people in the congregation. They will testify this. She shot up in the air, went over his head. And when she landed, she was, she was popping. And <laughs> when she landed, she looked completely whole. Nor, uh, Norval opened his eyes and he looked at the chair. The chair was empty. He said, where'd she go? Where'd she go? She, he turned around and there she was. Now listen, she got saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, and she pushed her wheelchair back to the, back to the nursing home. She ended up going to Bible school and went for about 10 years, came to our church in the early days and preached a sermon on healing. And she says, never give up on people. She'd take her picture. This is what it looked like just a few years ago. But look at me now. Look at me now. Look at me now. You see, we understand something. God is a God of miracles. Of the supernatural. So for me, ah, I want to chase it down. When I found, out, when I found Ted Shuttlesworth, 
Oh, my. I'm like white on rice. Well, they say, well, he's a little, sometimes he can be a little rough. Well, sometimes, you know, I go, I don't care. Rough smuff, I'm going to get him in Jesus' name. I don't really care. I don't really care. I started chasing around. I follow him. Go to different meetings. He said, what you doing? I'm following you. I remember the time when all the gas was shut down. You couldn't drive. There was no gasoline. This is about 12 years ago. You couldn't get gas. He was in Nashville. I didn't have only like a quarter tank of my car. Remember I told my wife, I'm leaving by faith. I took off. The highways had no gasoline. When I got low on gas, I'd pull off, and I'd go on them country roads, take me home, and I found me a station. They had a little bit of gas. Fill it up. Keep on going. He'll be here. I know of no other person that operates so powerfully in the gifts as he right now. I, I, I sat right there with him right here. One Friday night, I watched 30 supernatural miracles before my eyes in a row. Bam, 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 like that. I mean, like, not just I have a headache. No, the headaches don't even show up because they get taken care of. A, a man sat here with his foot crushed. It was in welded in like one solid knot. He could not move it or bend it. It was, it was bolted together. It was frozen. I watched him pray over that thing, begin to move it, and he left with a complete mobility. I watched another man with a car wreck. His chest was caved in, and it was deformed. He took the shirt and grabbed it from the back to make it super tight. He said, I command the chest to grow out now in Jesus' name. And I watched the fish go, and he barely got done. I'm still getting over that one. I mean, that one you can shout and run around for about two hours. And then here's another one. And 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 here's another one. You see, I remember a woman right over here. But she was attacked with a spirit of epilepsy. A young, beautiful lady. And it couldn't be shaken. And there's no cure. And it was like, my heart went out to her. And he was scheduled to end Friday. I said, you're not supposed to end Friday. You've got to go four more days. You've got to go make it ten days. He said, okay. That Sunday morning, I'll never forget, he had the altar call. She stood right there. And he knows things by the Spirit. He said, you're a spirit of epilepsy, that demon power. I break it off you and never come back again. She went flying across the stage, landed on the, pole, landed on the, on the ground. When she got up, she's never had it since. That's been six, seven years. Somebody shout praise the Lord. So for me, I hunger for this. I Listen to me. We must have it. We must have it. We cannot back down. And I feel like I got a rhema from heaven that this is the year we make a demand. Now listen, everything has its price. You're not going to get this drinking your Coke, eating Doritos, watching uh, John Wayne. It's not going to happen that way. You got to make a decision. I want to pray and seek the face of God. It's going to take get doing without something like we're doing right now. We're fasting. We're praying. Like Friday, you come Friday. Well, I don't want to about come about the prayer meeting. I'm in the prayer. I'm in the football. Listen to me. You don't understand. If you pray in the Holy Ghost, God's going to do something in you and for you that you cannot do by yourself. Because what you have to do, you have to. But I, for me, we're going to press in this year. I'm not backing down. I'm not backing off. We're going to press into the power of God. And, but I want to create an atmosphere in this house where miracles are expected, where the supernatural is just common. We never lose respect for it, 
but we don't go, oh my goodness. And I know we've seen a lot of miracles. We've seen people healed of cancers. We've seen ears open. I've seen go on and on. We've seen people who couldn't have babies have babies. It always amazes me. People receive major miracles in the, in the house, and then they leave. It's like, oh, I got my, no, listen, listen, listen. <clears throat> what you can receive supernaturally, you can also lose supernaturally. It's very important, the environment you camp under. Does that make sense? Uh, that's all I'm going to say. Moving right along, praise the Lord. So uh, we have to understand this, that there is this like this wall of the natural the devil wants to put around us. It's like natural. Think naturally. Like your unsaved relatives, think naturally. Why are you going to that church? It sounds like a cult to me. There's something going on every day. I had a pastor friend, a dear friend of mine, he says, I want to, you know, talking about churches and why we borrow our church. He says, because we realize churches are just one service in the morning. That's basically it. And I listened to him talk, talk, talk. I'd like to use your church. And I said, sir, I love you, but we're not that kind of church. What do you mean? We use the church every day. Morning, noon, and night. We start at 6 in the morning, sometimes 4 in the morning. We don't shut down till 9, 10, 11, sometimes 12, sometimes all night into the next day. Oh. Okay, but that's who we are. I want to make apology for it, but we've got to press in for the supernatural. But the natural wants to surround you. Religion wants to surround you. The, your relatives want to surround you. Keep you in the natural. I have Baptist relatives, Southern Baptist. We love the Southern Baptists, but the, but the statistic of people getting out of wheelchair in the Southern Baptist is zero. It's not going to happen. They don't expect it to happen. I, I don't, sometimes I believe they don't even want it to happen. I had an aunt, the dearest, bless her soul, she's in heaven. Hopefully no one's watching. And uh, in Alabama, and we used to visit her for, like, for Thanksgiving, aunt, uncle, and she was the head. Remember George Wallace, governor? Got shot in the back, paralyzed. He wanted to take care of all quadriplegics and paraplegics in the state. She was the head of the whole thing for the state. Running the whole thing. And we were talking. I'm talking about natural versus supernatural. And she's telling me, we're talking about this, that, that, that. I said, she says, you know what my number one job is? What's your number one job? My number one job is to convince people that have just become paralyzed, either quadriplegically or paraplegically, is to tell them they will never get better. Accept the reality. They will never get better. In the natural, they will never get better. But that's not the natural that we know world. We know supernatural. I remember, I remember going, <laughs> I left. You can keep the turkey. You can keep the stuffing. I left. I never went back. I mean, I, I, I just, I, I couldn't handle it. I couldn't handle being immersed in doubt doubt, unbelief. But as extreme as that is, I'm telling you, the church is full of it. The church is full of it. If you want to know that they, they don't want the supernatural, they just want the natural because it's safe. But we've got to become radical in these last days. You've got to come to a place, no, I've got to see the move of God in my life. I want to see miracles. I want to see signs and wonders. I want God to use my life to help other people. And I want to see it in this house in Jesus' name. 
I want people to know that this is a miracle-working church, and people will bring their sick relatives to watch God get he- to heal them. I'm going to boldly set this up. I'm going to put full ads and papers, healing service, bring your sick. God's going to heal them in Jesus' name. Now, it takes guts to do that. You're going to stick your neck out. But you know what? We're going to stick our neck out. And I said, Jesus, don't let it get chopped off. I'm going to put it out there. But you got to be radical. Radical means, when you say radical, the word radical means um, something different out of the ordinary. Extreme. That's what we need. We need some extremism going for Jesus. I want all you got, Jesus. And I want the power of God for the glory of God to happen in the name of Jesus. I am born again of the Holy Ghost. God invaded me by the Holy Ghost. I have a language I can pray to God with I never learned. His anointing is on me. It's on you. And what God says, I want to do the supernatural through you if you'll just get yourself in that environment. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We've got to get away from this fact, well, God touches a few. And I understand the special anointings. I totally get that. But to think that only Ted can have the supernatural flow through him, you're crazy. No, every Christian can have the supernatural flow through them. And I want to put you, I want to have this environment so soaked in this place. When you come in these doors, you're going to be thinking miracle. When you pray for me, you'll just be thinking supernatural. In Jesus' name. I mean, if anyone's going to get a house paid off, it's going to be me. If anyone's going to get a free house, it's going to be me. If anyone's going to get a total deliverance from my healing, it's going to be me. It's going to be me. I'm living in the miracle house. I'm living in the miracle house. You come in, this is a miracle house. We're going to call it a miracle house. Expect a miracle. Expect it. It's going to be preached to you. I tell you what's going to come all over you. And you're going to get out to your workplace and all of a sudden miracles are going to happen there. Woo, get ready, get ready, get ready. My name's not Freddie, but get ready. I, but yours is Fred Sapp. But anyway, praise the Lord. It says here, you got to watch this though. If we're going to step over there, you got to watch this mind. The, the mind, the mind. You see, the mind, from the mind comes your intents, your desires, your thoughts, your purposes. Your emotions, your imaginations, the pictures of where you're going from the mind. And the Bible talks about this, but in 1 Corinthians 2, 12, 1 Corinthians uh, 1, no, 2, excuse me, 2.14. It says, for the natural man, that means the non-spiritual man, the man operates in the natural. The natural man does not receive the things that are of God, or of the Spirit that's of God. That is, he doesn't accept them, he doesn't welcome them, he doesn't even admit them. For they are foolishness. They're like, like, no, it's like they're nuts to him. Nor can he know them because they're spiritually discerned. Meaning that if you want to apprehend these truths, you're going to take the power of the Holy Spirit. And we watch people in the natural, they try to figure out this world in the, in the natural But we don't, here's the word, natural contains you, it limits you. But God says, if you'll step away from that and push the doors away, push the walls away, it can be as big as you want. Which is the right word, by the way, push. You've got to press for breakthrough, that you're getting out of the prison of the natural. 
You're not going to be living in religious worlds where they naturally have an answer for everything. You're not going to let the devil contain you in the natural world. You are going to get out of that, and it's going to begin right up here. Amen. And so it says in 1 Corinthians 2.12, it says, Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things freely given to us by God. And you think about this. God wants us to know these things. He wants to step out into the supernatural. And then the verse 16 is saying, verse, and we have the mind of Christ. We have, well, what's the mind of Christ? Well, Christ's mind is his thoughts, his purpose, his intents. What are they? Totally supernatural. He doesn't operate in the natural. Jesus thinks supernaturally. He thinks of the miracles. He thinks of, what, of the possibilities that could happen if you just reach out by faith. I'm telling you, it's another world. And he wants to have that mind. He says, we have it. How do I get it? By the Holy Ghost and through the Word of God. I've got to capture the mind by the Spirit of God. I've got to capture the mind by the Word of God. But Jesus is actually thinking great things over you. Jesus is thinking great things for this nation. Jesus is thinking great things. I mean, he thinks about the miracles and the power. And so he, what he wants us to do, our minds got to line up with his, with his mind. We can't be thinking dog-legging to the right, dog-legging to the left based on our mind. Your mind, most Christians are led by their emotions. How do I know that? Because they tell God what they're going to do based on how they feel for that Sunday morning. I don't feel like it today. Now, I love you. At least you're watching. But you can't be led by your emotions. I don't feel the love anymore. I feel like leaving you. What? You made a commitment, a covenant. What? No, don't get me upset about that. You could come forward, get the grace of God hit you, get the devils of both of you, and fall back in love again in Jesus' name. You need a supernatural miracle. That's what you need. People say, no, 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 well, we just need more counseling. There's a place for counseling. I get counseling. I'm all for counseling. We have a counselor on staff. Carolyn Moore, give her a hand. She's awesome. <laughs> Has her master's degree in psychology. She's full of the word, and she will cast the devil out just as quick as she'll talk to you. <laughs> she'll be in the middle of talking, get up and just cast the devil out. She said, okay, my counseling will a whole lot easier right now because the devil's out of you. But you have to look at these things. The devil wants our minds. I've got this bright mind. I've got this bright mind. Sometimes a bright mind can be dangerous if it's not submitted to Christ. Because your bright mind has always the answers. I can figure this out. I can Google it. I can figure this out. I can YouTube it. I'll figure it out. Uh, Okay, Mr. Smarty Pants. Uh, We have to understand this mind needs to be taken authority over. You can't let this mind run at whatever it wants to run. This mind's got to be submitted to God, I'm telling you. The Bible talks about this in Colossians 3.10. Put on the new man. How? Who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Renewed in knowledge. I've got to put in the knowledge of how God thinks about my life and about life in general. I've got to start thinking like he thinks if I'm going to step over to the supernatural. If I think naturally and always uh, process things naturally, I'll just have the natural. If I want the supernatural, I'm going to think like God thinks and get my mind renewed. Amen. And so we got to bring our mind under the, we got to bring our mind under the submission to the thoughts of God. We can't do what you want to do. Let me tell you what. Many times in this church, in fact, it's pretty much most of the time, when we want to do outreaches or do missions, 
I don't have the money to do it. One of the great things about our church, we don't have huge committees. I'm the committee. I have other guides. I have other leads. I don't totally have my wife also talks to me, but ultimately I'm allowed to feel to do what God puts in my heart to do. And so, but many times we've we've done things, major outreaches. Major. I don't know how we're gonna pull it off. When we had Ted Shuttlesworth come, I want to do a, I want to do a major revival in, in Atlanta. We began January. We called 560 churches. We got 119 to commit. 12 showed up. But we used the field opposite the Brave Stadium on the opposite field. And we had, a, we had meetings there from, I think it was Sunday to Friday. And the money we needed and everything that we did, Hannah, Hannah Campbell was in the middle of it. Oh, she left. She was right there. Must be a baby. It is a baby. But you know what? I remember this. It was like there was no way we could pull it off. It was so huge. We had to spend, I, I, had, to, I had to deal with the senators and people downtown because they didn't have, they had never rented that field for a religious event ever. So you're going uphill. They gave me a form, like eight, ten pages. I have to go and get a survey from all the neighbors, see if they want it. I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to stand on my head. I got to get this. I mean, it was like the permits was going forever. And God helped us push through all that. It was supernatural. Remember that, 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 that great revival down there? It was, it was awesome. The moves of God, moves of God. We want to do it again. But you know what? We step out and do things that in the natural is crazy. Do you realize you see this building here? You know how many people I had when, I, when we designed this building, get ready to build it? 50. 50. Go drive with 50 people in Roswell with all their needs and monies and permits. And my God, it goes on and on and on. It took a miracle. Supernatural. So I'm, you know, in the ministry, I totally get it. You've got to step out in. Uh, I was raised in Africa. I'm an African. I just happen to be white. But I was raised in, uh, remember our mission station, Umbabon, Swaziland. They have been around for 100 years. As a little kid, my parents got there and they said, listen, we're, and I would see many miracles. I'm just giving you one. We need X amount of money. We're short. It was a big chunk. We're praying. We're seeking God. We need, we, as a kid, they're getting us involved. We had someone retrofitting a door, uh, like one of the rooms in the mission house. It was a big sprawling place. They were tearing down the wall to make a larger room. A man tearing down the wall finds a box in the wall. He takes it to my dad. He opens it up. It's full of cash. <laughs> now that's step one. They count the money. They count it. Back then it was in pounds, shillings, and pence. British colony at the time. They count this thing. Now, here's where the miracle. The amount we needed exactly matched what was in the box. No more, no less. Come on now. Now, listen. I got to thinking about it as a, I got to think about it as a kid. Now, listen, God. Either there was a thief like Joel Osteen, stole the money, hid it in the wall, and was trying to get it later. But let me tell you, if you steal from the house of God, there's a high probability you will die ever before you get to retrieve it. I don't know what happened to him, but whoever put it that in, the, in the wall, 
never live to get it back out. Or God in his humor, Gabriel, put the money in the box, stick it in the wall. I know, I mean, I don't know how, but that's supernatural. So don't talk to me about not being supernatural. I was raised in the supernatural. I understand that God will provide things that your mind will go, what the, what the, but, that, but your mind has got to be renewed. That's what it's got to do. Your mind's got to be, it's got it's to subjugate the natural thinking and receive the supernatural power of God. That all things are possible to him that believes. That's what you got to get to in your mind. Hallelujah. The Bible talks about that we need to be spiritually minded. Romans 8, 6 for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. To be carnally minded is to be sense ruled. It's whatever you feel, whatever you think, whatever you, what you, now let me tell you what, some of the sensing of charismatic churches, but I sense, I don't feel led, no, your emotions are talking to you. What do you mean don't feel led to go to church? That's against the Bible. People can't tell me, talk my office, whenever I hear this, I don't feel led, they get me upset, because it's like a cop-out card. I don't feel led to do that. So you know what I did? I got my big old piece of lead. It's on my desk right now. Whenever they say I don't feel led, I reach that piece. I put my hand on the lead. I say, I feel led. I feel led really, really good. They go, what are you? I said, what are you talking about? That's a piece of lead. Hold it. They said, why do you do that? To make how foolish what they're saying is to God. When you don't feel led. Your emotions are talking. But when the spirit of God is moving, then you feel by your spirit that's something else. He'll always line up with the word of God. But to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Meaning that we've got to bring this spirit man to make it ascend in our lives. We'll subjugate this mind to what the spirit of God is saying in our own spirit. Does that make sense? We can't be flesh ruled. We've got to be spirit ruled in Jesus' name. And we've got to take authority. You say, mind, you're not going to do this to me. You shut up, mind. Every thought that comes out of my head is not of God. Every thought, I mean, the devil can fly along and put it on your head. I have learned to spit out thoughts that don't line up with the word. I mean, the devil will come along with depression, heaviness, anxiety, fear, worry, consternation. He will challenge the things of God. You get to sit there worrying. I'm telling you what, worry brings doubt and unbelief and you've got to cast it out. You can't sit there. You've got to take authority over it. Take authority. 2 Corinthians 4, I mean, 10, 4 and 5, it says... Cast down every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bring down every stronghold. Bring in subjection every thought. Bring it under your feet. Now, God says, I won't do that. You're going to do that. And so I've learned to do this in my life. I like to do something physically as well as something spiritually. That's why we lift our hands. Well, I, I, that's, my body has nothing to do with it. Oh, yes, it does. When you lift your hands. God, God, I'll tell you what. I tell people, when they sit there for prayer and they, and they, and they, and they come like this. What do you need? Uh, I need a massive healing. Or, uh, sir, sir, your hands in your pockets is irreverent. Number two, it has no sign of you want to receive anything. I have watched this. I've done this hundreds and hundreds of times. If people come, lift their hands, look up to heaven, nine times out of ten, the power of God will hit them. But if you sit there like this, or like this, looking at me like I'm kind of crazy... And most probably that anointing will bounce off me, hit the ceiling, hit somebody else. You got to understand that you got you to be prepared. So your body has a lot to do with it. So what I like to do with thoughts. You ever spit out a, a melon seed? You eat a melon, watermelon? We used to do it all the time as kids. We'd play machine gun melon seed. 
disgusting. But my point is, you got to learn how to spit things out. You get a thought that, you know, that disturbs me. The devil said, that's your thought. No, it's not. It's your thought, devil. Spit it out. I will literally go, nope, it's not my thought. I, I will, that's not my thought in Jesus' name. No, 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 you got that fear. No, 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 I have fear. Or maybe it's an illicit thought, a sexual perverted thought. Ooh, I'm thinking, spit, spit, spit it out. Start spitting. Not to me. No, not happen to me. No, it's not happening to me. You got to bring that mind under. Because I'm telling you what, the devil, the whole reason the devil wants you to sin, because when you sin, it puts you, not only you walking on the surface of the natural, now you're in the swamp. Now you're stuck there in the natural with condemnation, guilt. You're stuck in the natural. You couldn't believe the, the supernatural if heaven depended on it. You're just stuck. So what you understand is you got to... Take yourself out of sin. Wash yourself off in the blood of Christ. Walk in the holiness of God. That's how you need to begin. And I tell you, but this head, you got to wash this head. This head, if it's not reined in, it's stupid. You do not ride a horse and let the reins go any way you want to. You don't sit there, well, a horse, just take off where you want to go. You're a fool. That thing could take off galloping, go under a low branch, and you're toast. No, no, you got like a nearly 1,800, 1,600-pound animal, and how heavy are you? Well, I'm 250. That's still a gnat compared to him. Does that make sense? You got to learn to rein it in. You got to take a horse, you rein it in. You got to take your mind, you rein it in. But it's important the environment you put yourself under. You can put yourself under where you're being fed stuff that you don't need to be fed. You put yourself at a disadvantage. But the Bible says this, and one of my great scriptures today, I love it. It's our first Peter 4 1. Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, Arm yourselves. Everybody say arm yourselves. Arm yourselves also with the same mind. Arm yourself. What does that mean to arm yourself? Let me tell you what it means. When you arm yourself, like we know this, if a soldier's going to war, you know, Black Hawk down. We lost so many guys. You know why we lost them? Because the army and all their brilliance limited how much ammunition you could take to battle. Okay, one, two, three. Okay, you get 52 bullets, and they say, good luck. Well, Black Hawk down. They ran out of ammo. <laughs> they ran out. So now, the new rule, since that happened, you can take all the ammo you can carry. And I had friends in Iraqi war, and they would make me laugh. They sent me pictures. They had rounds of ammo all over them. I mean, they were like a walking ammo dump. They said, I'm never running out of ammo. Well, that's what it means to arm yourself. Arm yourself means that, listen, get ammoed up. That means a cursory reading of the word will not put you over. You've got to saturate your mind with the word of God. You need to listen to me. You've got to do this. Well, I read the Psalms and Proverbs. Well, no, no, you've got to soak yourself. You've got to just like, this, this 30 days we've taken, or 21, I should say, but for the month of January, we're in fasting and prayer. Just take time to get with God. Read the word. Write down notes. Get, meditate on it. Don't just read it. Go over and over again. Study whole things of Scripture. Read about the supernatural. That's what I'm doing. I'm just studying about the supernatural. And the more I study it, signs, wonders, and miracles. Signs, wonders, and miracles. You've got to saturate. You've got to fill up your, your heart and your head. So when your head, let me tell you what. What you put in is going to come out. But you begin to wash it, wash it, wash it, wash it. You've captured the mind of Christ. That's the whole thing. You capture the mind of Christ. And Christ always thinks supernatural, power, miracles, signs. That's how he flows. 
And he wants you and I to flow the same way. You got to capture my mind. Get out of the natural. Break the barriers of the natural. Get a little bit radical and say, you know what? If the devil's going to get radical in this year, I'm going to get more radical. More radical. And we're all for the politics and this, that, the other. But the politics, it ain't going to work there. You know, God's, well, I tell you what, it's got to be the church. Rising up in these last days to accept nothing less than signs, runs, and miracles. And we're willing to pay the price with a life that's holy before God. And you are soaked in the word of God. And you soak in prayer. And you don't back down, back off. And if your relatives who are in the natural, now little sister, aren't you doing it over too much? Just smile and walk away. Because the things you may say may be sin. Arm yourself. I'm going to say arm yourself. No, I never saw that. You got to arm yourself in Jesus' name. Devil start hitting you go, oh, you want some of me, devil? And I got tons of ammo. Colossians 3, 16, they said, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, richly, richly. Hallelujah. And so uh, Ephesians 4, 23, it says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Now, let me tell you about what he's not talking about is, is the natural. People think, be renewed in the spirit of mind. Well, you know, some of you have great mental retention. It's God's gift to you. I don't like you. I'm just joking. But I had a roommate my first year in college. The guy was brilliant. He just, I'm studying hours, studying, studying, underlying. This is what he'd do. The night before the test, read the book like this. Get 100. I'd study four days and get us 75. It's just unfair. It's just unfair. Dr. Paul Walker, he preached here. Never use notes. I said, Doc, you never use notes. He said, no. I don't need to. What, what do you mean, don't need to? I, I write out my notes. Before I go there, I preach. I look at the sermon. I just flip it like this. I got it all here. I said, what I said was, praise the Lord. In my mind, I said, you dirty dog. <laughs> it's like, what? But he's not talking about the natural. The spirit of your mind. The spirit of your mind. What is he saying? Your spirit man, your spirit, is going to capture the mind of Christ. It's like the word of God has got to get a hold of your spirit. It's like he's connecting the spirit of your mind. It's not something you get in the natural. It's something supernatural given to you through revelation. And God wants to give it to us. What kind of mind? The mind of Christ. And that revelation is that we operate in the supernatural, in the mighty name of Jesus. And so we've got to understand that the Bible says as many as are, uh, the sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. As many are led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God. Romans 8, 14. And that really is the key. We've got to let our spirit do the leading. Take dominion. And many people call themselves true sons of God, but are not. Because if you're not led by the Spirit, you're not really a true son of God. When you're led by the Spirit, you become a true son of God. And the, and the true son of God, you know what they do? Because you're led by the Spirit, it breaks off the limitations of the natural. You don't operate by the natural. You know what? It's so un... You know, in the natural, it does not make sense to give your money to God. I mean, I have X amount of bills. I have X amount of money. 
Now, I need all this to meet this, plus my vacation, and the sofa, and the new shoes. Later, Gator, see you, God. But you know what happens? In the natural, in the natural, that's like crazy. Why would I give away when I need? But God is the God of the supernatural. He said, if you allow your natural thinking, you'll shut down the miracle. If you allow your, listen, and so when it comes to giving, I always want to outgive what I did last year. In missions, in the legacy fund, in our tithing, our giving, we give to other people. It's like I want to push the envelope because I happen to believe the supernatural be released. I refuse to allow my natural reasoning to shut down the supernatural power of God. Everybody say supernatural. supernatural. And so we got to break through these strongholds. I want to close with this. Jesus, on his way to his city, went there. Nazareth was his hometown. I've been there. It's on like, one side of it is a huge cliff. You can see why they want to throw him off. They want to kill him. But he goes to his own hometown. And the Bible says that those in the church, they said, we know who you are. They begin to discount him. We know your mother, your father. We know your sisters, your brothers. You're a competitor, son. Who are you? Now, here's what Jesus had to say. Here's what it says about it in Mark 6. It says here, he could do no mighty work there except he laid hands on a few sick folk and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. What was he saying there? The stronghold in their minds of unbelief and doubt was so powerful, it stopped the supernatural from invading their life. He said just a few sick folk, a person who's got a headache, a hangnail, maybe they got the hiccups, minor ailments. It says it's not even major, and just a few. And so we see that doubt and unbelief stops the supernatural from flowing like God really wants us to. So we got to look at these things and say, God, what can I do here? And we all can say, I believe in miracles. I believe that God split the Red Sea. I believe in it. I believe he shut the, mouths, the lion's mouth with Daniel. I believe that. I believe Jesus raised the dead. I believe all these things. And I think it's wonderful. But here comes the point that makes it powerful. The question we have to ask ourselves is, will he do it for me? Will he heal the sickness I have? Will he turn this around for my children? Will he bring about the financial breakthrough I need? Will he do it for me? Will he do it for me? There was a man who had a, par- who had a son who was demon-possessed. In the book of Mark 9 is one of the accounts. Jesus come down from the mountain. He'd just seen, been with, been with the father. Moses and Elijah met him. He had Peter, James, and John. I mean... And they came down the mountain and saw this huge crowd. There's 10 disciples in a big row with the scribes. And they're arguing over something. And Jesus waves into the midst and says, what's going on? It said, this, so this father runs up and said, these disciples couldn't cast the devil out of my son. He said, what's wrong with your son? He said, he gets possessed by this demon. He gnashes his teeth. He foams at the mouth. He, he falls on the ground. Sometimes it pushes him in the fire. Sometimes in the water. It tries to kill him. But your disciples couldn't. Fix him. 
Now here's what the, this, you feel for this father. The father says to Jesus, if you could do anything, heal my son. Never tell Jesus if. Because he comes back with a strong statement. If you can. Now we use the word believe, but actually in the Greek, it's stronger. He says, if you can do this, Jesus. He says, if you can, Jesus. And he said, if you can. All things are possible to them that believe. He took the blame that he was trying to put on him. He turned it around and said, it's not me, it's you. Don't point to me. If you want to operate in the supernatural, you cannot be a victim. You cannot blame other people. You cannot point the finger. You can't do that. No, 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 no. You're going you're to shut down the supernatural. Point the finger at yourself. He says, if you can believe. And then he has this cry, this father. Lord, I believe. Help you with my unbelief. You know, Jesus has compassion for people. Jesus will work with your unbelief by putting more of the word and you making it come alive. But you know what? That man had the right, right, right voice out of his mouth. If, I mean, I believe. Help my unbelief. Lord, I believe. And because he said, I believe, the power of God hit his son and his son was delivered. So the supernatural has to operate with unbelief and doubt pushed out. And the natural always has the cousins, fear, doubt, and unbelief. And so if we want the supernatural, you got to start up here. you gotta, you got you to say, God, I'm going to submit this mind to you. I'm going to saturate my I'm going to arm my mind with the word of God. And I'm going to operate in faith. I'm going to cast fear and doubt out. I'm believing for the supernatural to touch my life this year like it's never touched me before. I am believing God for the signs and wonders and miracles. And I'm going to be in this house and in this church, and I'm going to get fed it until it comes out my eyeballs. And I'm going to just know that there's a miracle in this house. And I'm going to receive it. And I'm going to walk in it. And I'm going to get excited about it in Jesus' mighty name. I want you to know something. God has got greatness coming to you. It's going to be supernatural. Capture my mind. I feel like this will be the greatest year of this church. Thank you once again for listening to World Harvest Church's podcast. World Harvest Church is pastored by Pastor Merrick and Linda Houghton in Roswell, Georgia. If you're interested in learning more about us, please visit our website at whcga.com. Like our Facebook page and subscribe to our YouTube channel by typing WHCGA into the search bar on both platforms. And we hope you have a blessed week.